folks, our guest on this week's Irish NFL show. Fantastic to have a guy uh, born in Dublin who has the sixth most field goals in the season uh, with 18 and went 37-52 during his college career, including the game-winning 39-yard field goal to upset Wisconsin in the 2019 college football season, formerly of the University of Illinois. Uh, currently with the Los Angeles Chargers and bidden to become one of the first Irish NFL active players in 37 years. Uh, it's an honor to welcome James McCourt to the show. James, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, guys. I appreciate you, uh, you know, getting me on here and uh, really excited to talk with you guys and chat about football and everything. And James, Michael kind of alluded to it in the, the intro there. It's 37 years since Neil O'Donoghue was uh, kicking with the, the Cardinals and Averis Danieli had uh, quite a decent career, nearly a decade kicking in yeah. the, the league. Um, I suppose how you, you've obviously had a lot of media attention, I think even going back, you know, a few years, balls for the 42, the Irish Times, etc. How how aware were you of, of Neil? Was it something, you know, that, that you were aware of, of kind of his kicking? And for you, what would it mean to have the opportunity if it was to come to pass to, to be the first Irish person in the NFL in 37 years? Yeah, you know, I heard of Neil just, I want to say when I was in middle school or high school, I looked up just out of curiosity, you know, if there's been any Irishmen uh, that have played American football and definitely came across his name. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just an added bonus to the whole thing. You know, I'm very proud of my Irish heritage and uh, it's really cool that, um, I mean, it's really cool that there's two of us that are knocking on the door right now. Uh, and the chances of that are pretty slim. And um but, you know, it's just an added bonus to the whole thing that I can, you know, represent um, my home and uh, my roots uh, at such a big stage over here. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. James, really, take us back to, I suppose, the early early stage when you got into the American football. You know, did you play in your position before you cemented yourself as a kicker and, and the whole Illinois piece there? How did that come to pass? Yeah, so it's funny. I mean, I, I came over uh, and I, I played flag football growing up. Uh, up until about I want to say eighth grade and uh you know I do I wanted a little more contact and uh I was kind of a bigger kid growing up a little chubby so I it threw me in on the old line my first my first time out there and I you know I didn't stick long <laughs> at that position I think I was like like left guard or something and uh, I just got tossed around a little bit and uh, I think we had tryouts one day just who could kick a ball and I had soccer background so I decided to put my hand up and then it kind of went from there. And I was very fortunate with how it all kind of, you know, panned out from there on out because I had a kicking coach in eighth grade that ended up uh, being the special teams coordinator at the high school I went to at St. Thomas Aquinas. And, you know, it's such a powerhouse down there. So many guys come out of there all the time. And um, I just worked with him. His name is Tim Conrad, you know, and uh, he helped me out a bunch, just getting off the ground going and then getting recruited. Um, and then, you know, I didn't really – St. Thomas was such a good program that I – it was so competitive, so many good kickers coming in and out, in, in and out of there. That I really didn't – I didn't really see a lot of playing time until my senior year. So, and even even at that stage, it was – it was, you know, like college, it took me a little bit to get going. But um, my senior year, um, I want to say it was October, my senior year, Illinois came calling, and I pretty much committed um, right on the spot. You know, not many uh, high school kickers get – scholarships right out a lot get preferred walk-ons coming out and um it was an opportunity I couldn't really pass up or just because I think there was an offer out to another kicker and I just wanted to make sure that I I grabbed it um 
but yeah, that's kind of how it went, you know, the sped up version, but uh, definitely a lot of stories in, <laughs> on the road to it. But uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I love my time up in uh, Champaign. It's been a fantastic journey so far, James, and long may it continue. Ed, can you maybe talk to us about the lead up to the NFL draft? We, we always hear about the rookie pro days and obviously as a player, whose position may be further down the list in terms of, you know, what round they may go in, uh, or maybe in your case as an undrafted rookie. Did you get the opportunity to work out for teams prior to it? Did teams come to a pro day or uh, in Illinois, or did any particular team originally maybe reach out and show interest even before the draft so you had an idea? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can bring you back to the whole thing. So a rookie year is tough because the, your season doesn't really end. You know, you go from the last game, we had a great last game. We beat Northwestern, our rival. First time I beat them, my time there. So that really was, you know, an unbelievable way to finish off my college career. Um, but right from there on out, you know, you, you kind of get your mind a little rest. Uh, but you know, like, what's coming down the road. You know, it's a long journey. Those you know, three or four months. And those are very important months. So I knew going into that process that there was a lot of kickers in this class. Um, it was just from COVID year. Um, you know, red shirts, fifth years, um, good seniors like, uh, you know, Cade York, who came out of LSU, I think he might have been a junior. Like, I'm 24. I'm pretty sure he's 21. So you can basically see there's there's three or four years of kickers that, can't, that are coming out in one class. So I knew going in that it's gonna be, it was going to be a very competitive process. And, you know, I just kind of put my head down and decided just to attack it. Uh, I signed with a really good agency, um, Rob Roche and, uh, at RSR. They have a lot of kickers on there um, with them. You know, Justin Tucker's with them, Chase McLaughlin, the guys that was ahead of me at Illinois. So he really set me off on the right foot. Um, but, yeah, I really – you know, you really want to get a senior bowl invite. It, it, you know, there's the top three of them. There's the Reese's one, the East-West Shrine game, and then the NFLPA game. And I, luckily enough, got the NFLPA invite. So right then I kind of knew maybe some teams had a little bit of interest in me. Um, I knew going into my senior year – well, actually, my, so I'll take it back even before that year prior to COVID year, my first year starting. Um, I just that was my, I just wanted to start. You know, I just wanted to play. I didn't, NFL wasn't really uh, there for me. Like, uh, I mean, obviously it was my goal, but my goal at the time was just to start. And then I had a pretty good year, had some long kicks. And then all of a sudden I was put on Mel Kuyper's list of uh, guys after the season. I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. And then um, COVID year happened and I just, I played maybe five games and uh, I could have come out there, but I was kind of, I was told by a couple of people to stay back, stick another year and have a good finish strong and you'll, you'll be in the running with all the other guys. So I decided to do that and um, I came back and had a, a solid year, I think. And um, yeah, and then I guess the NFL PA game, I was really lucky to get, go out there. I had a really good week of practice in front of the scouts and um I think that helped a lot, you know, good interview prep and all of that. And um, one thing led to the next. You have your pro day. So I went back up to Champaign and had a pro day that went really well. Um, I had a lot of prep for that. I actually went up to Buffalo and worked with uh, Adam Tanowski up there. He's a kicking coach. And, um, you know, he really prepped me mentally for what the day is going to be like. Super intense. It's, really, it's like it's, it's a crazy environment. You're in there. You walk into your uh, – so you go back to campus and you walk in uh, to the uh, – the indoor we were kicking and there's just like i don't know 40 scouts there with their clipboards and just like waiting for you to kick and it's it's so unlike a game you know you can't really compare it to a game because you kick whatever 13 14 field was in a row in a game you go on you kick if you make it you know you 
it's good. If you miss it, you're sitting there with that. You got to digest everything. So I don't really understand how it kind of how you can really get the best out of a kicker in those situations, but they want to see you do it in that. And um, yeah, I, I did well there. And then after that, you know, some teams come calling with private workouts. And uh, I guess I guess we kind of narrowed it down with my agent that the teams on draft day and uh, teams that would really have the most interest. I think we're like. Bears, Colts, Saints, uh, Rams, and I forget another team that really showed the most interest in the Dolphins, I think, through the process. And I didn't even – I honestly didn't have too much uh, conversation with the Chargers prior to that. So that was pretty interesting, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's funny how, how it uh, can work out. We we had Justin Simmons on previously, and he said that like prior to being drafted, he hadn't had that much contact with the Broncos, and then that, that's where he ended up. Now, just to kind of uh, to piggyback a little bit on, on that last question in terms of the kicking, because obviously kind of doing the prep for this, I was reading some of your interviews, and you talked about how you'd read Ron Nogara's book, who's now going to yeah. have success as a, a head coach himself, Johnny Wilkinson's book, and, and some of the kind of interviews with um, Sexton, with Dan Carter, just kind of interested in the mental side of things. Because as you said, you know, if you make the kick, it's great. Everybody's carrying you off the field. If you don't, you have to kind of sit with it and digest it. So like, how do you approach it? Because obviously kickers have different ways of going about it. So just kind of really interested in, in your approach to that, James. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think I can kind of attest to my, you know, increase in accuracy and all of that from my junior to my senior year with how I attack my mental process in the off season and even through the season. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes to how important that is. And, um, you know, you have to have a short memory, whether it's a good kick or a bad kick, because like, you know, in golf, the, the previous shot has nothing to do with the next shot. This doesn't like, if it's a great drive, it doesn't really matter because you still have to, the, the, that shot has no effect just on any way on the next one, only mentally it does um, only, and only if you let it. So you have to learn how to, you know, take your, take your good kicks, uh, bottle them and use it for later and kind of, you know, forget your bad kicks pretty, pretty, pretty fast. And I always, so I, I kind of look back on my statistics on my, um, my junior year and I would, had, I kind of had a trend that I would, you know, I would make three kicks in a row, then maybe I'd miss one. So I was very like, and that happened throughout the season. So I kind of realized I kind of like did a little, you know, I dug deep and it's a little self, um, you know, talk or whatever. And I realized I kind of got seduced by success is how I like to put it. So it was, I would, I would feel good about how I was kicking, feel good. And maybe I would, you know, get lazy with my process because I was, I was, because I was letting the previous kicks affect it, even if I made them and then I would end up missing and I would build up on that again. And then, so it was this pattern. So I kind of didn't want to get seduced by success. It was just something that I kind of wrote down and maybe, and I wrote it down every day, just in my notebook about how that was my goal. And it was part of the process. You know, they always talk in every book that I read about it, everyone was, uh, they always talk about the process, you know, the process, not the result. And when you, when I started going into practice and into games and I, you know, my, my good reps were the ones that I, I didn't even look at the result of the kick. It was just, did I, did I look at my, pro, did I focus on my process, my process there every kick, and then I would be happy with it no matter the result. And, um, you know, and then it ended up the results came, there was good results out of that. So you have to stick with your process through the downs, the ups and the downs. And I found that very important. I found that to be true in a lot of the guys' uh, books, you know, with kicking, with golf, you know, reading a book uh, by Dr. Bob Rattel is right here, How Champions Think. And 
it's um, kind of the same thing, you know, you know, it's a very short term memory, good and bad, being able to bottle up the good things, but not let it affect the next one in a bad way. So that's kind of a brief way of putting it. I could go in for, I love that. I love that stuff. I think that's uh, super interesting. And, you know, any young athlete out there, if they can get, that's an edge, you know, you always want to try and find an edge and be an edge finder. And I found that working on my mental side was definitely a way I could find an edge and uh, definitely make some more kicks. James, we were fortunate to have the Chargers GM, Tom Tedesco, on the show not too long after, mm -hmm. after you, yeah. you were drafted. And he spoke very highly of you. He was full of praise for you at a very early stage in terms of the OTAs. You've obviously progressed further since then with the OTAs and obviously the Manchi training camp. How have you found that you're setting in with the new environment? And is there any particular prayers of, I suppose, the veterans that are acknowledging the rookies and helping them out at this early stage? Yeah, you know, the environment in the NFL, you can never really fully prepare for it. And no one said, and everyone says you can't because it's it's something that you've never seen before, have an experience, and you just have to go through it as a rookie. Um, you're only a rookie once, so you have to take in everything that you get. Uh, but it's uh, it's amazing, you know, how it's just run, how clean it is, how efficient everything is. And I can only, I can only like, say great things about the Chargers and their organization and how, you know, coming in as an outsider and now being fully into the um, – in the building for a month and a half or so, you know, it's, it's incredible how efficient it's run. Um, and, you know, I just, I think every day you go out there and you see some of the guys at practice and you're just, you're kind of, I'm a, I'm a bit mesmerized because, you know, you see these guys you watch on TV every Sunday for the past five years and you're just like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You kind of have to pinch yourself a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the kicking is the same. It's the same thing that I've done uh, for my whole life. There's the, the yellow pipes are still there and the hashes are actually brought in a little bit. So the kicks are a little bit straighter, but you know, I just approach every practice like that. And I approach every practice like it's my Super Bowl because it pretty much is at this stage of my career. Um, as an undrafted rookie, you know, you really have to make a good impression on the coaches every, and, every, and every, every way you do in the front office because, you know, they're looking. They, um, they, they want to see what you're made of in these situations. They want to put you in tough situations. And everything that you do is being, you know, scrutinized and uh, evaluated. So it's uh, very important that you're on your uh, on your toes, but uh, in a good way. They don't they want they don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but they definitely want to you want you, they definitely want them you to feel their presence. And um, no, but it's been really cool. It's been an awesome experience. Um, I'm super happy with how it's gone so far, and uh, I'm, I'm also super fortunate with uh, the coaches I've had. You know, Coach uh, Coach Ficken and the uh, uh, Coach Gold are the two guys there. Uh, Coach Gold, uh, we call him Beep. He's the assistant, and uh, he's Robbie Gold's brother. So he has a lot of insight into the kicking, and he's helped me out a bunch from technical side. Um, you know, and Coach Fick, and he's a uh, he's awesome. He's his first year. He's with the Vikings for a long time. He's I can't say enough good things about him. But also the vets in the room that we have. You know, Dustin. Um, he's an awesome guy. Help. He's helped me out a bunch already, just with the process of being a professional. And I've just been watching him. I probably asked like so many questions they're probably <laughs> they're probably pretty tired of me at this point but you know him uh josh harris you know he's a, a pro bowl long snapper so he's the best you can have in the game right now and then jk scott the punter he's uh he's doing really well so it's uh it's been really cool to see how those guys work and the, just how professional they are and it's definitely cool because you kind of forget those guys have families and a lot of they're moving their families out to california and they have all these responsibilities that seem so far away from me right now but it's uh, I can only tip my hat to them because they're uh, they're really nice and they've included me in uh, everything they've done so it's been a so far it's been a really smooth experience uh, 
I'm very excited to get back out there for a training camp though. So you've sort of answered this question a little bit already, James, but obviously being with the Chargers and they've made some really interesting moves in this offseason, especially in free agency. Never mind bringing yourself in. What's the vibe like there? I mean, how 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 confident are these guys of maybe taking the West this year? Because they've really done a lot in the offseason to suggest that they could be right up there even come February in Arizona next year. Yeah, you know, I can't talk too much about uh, about them on the, as a team just because I still feel like I'm very new to it and I, just, I don't want to, you know, say something because, I, I, you know, I'm just a rookie and everything. But it's uh, if there's one thing I can say is that they just know how to attack every day and just, they're super professional. Everyone is just, you know, every, you have to be at this stage. And, you know, the roster, I don't know too much about the NFL, but the roster seems very complete from in my eyes. Um, but, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder. Definitely, you can tell from last season. And it's also a very new team. Uh, Coach Daly mentioned the team meeting that there's 50 guys in the in the room that weren't there last year. So it's a lot of the guys, It's a, they know it's a new team. They've had a lot of, you know, they've had a very active offseason um, in, the, in the signing, in a, you know, free agent signings and all that. So it's, I can tell the coach, they're really pumped up. They definitely, you know, and the, the players, I think they're super hungry, they seem. And, um no, I mean, I'm obviously a very hoping I'm going to work really hard to be part of that that team because I think they um, they can do something really special. But uh, no, I can't say enough good things about all of them. Um, you mentioned earlier, James, that obviously you played a lot of soccer when you were younger, and uh, we're recording this on the sixth year anniversary of Robbie Brady's header against uh, mm-hmm. Italy. And uh, if I take you back to 2019 and the, the walk-off uh, win, uh, up, uh, upsetting uh, number six seed was constant and it just exploded. I mean, it was it was everywhere. It was all over yeah. the internet. It got, you know, uh, and I, I just want to know, like, what was that experience like? So everybody wanted to, to talk to you because it had been such a big upset. I think I saw somewhere that, like, into the fourth quarter, they were still at like 98, 99% win probability. You guys go go and, and get the, the win. And then all of a sudden, like all of the media is there in your face, but not just obviously the US media, but I, I think you had a conference call with Irish media afterwards. So suddenly everybody wants a piece of you. What was that like? It was definitely cool. <laughs> I definitely had my uh, 15 minutes, <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was, it was an unbelievable experience, actually. Like it was, it was really, it's really cool to go back to and think about now. Uh, at the time, I probably, I didn't know what was going on. I was probably in over my head a little bit, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was really cool. It was just nice, you know, to see uh, my grandparents back home, my family back home could, uh, you know, see me in the newspaper. That meant a lot to me. You know, my grand, my granddad who passed away after a uh, year after that, he, um, he got to see uh, me uh, in the newspaper that, you know, he's in the Irish times he reads every day. So it was, just stuff like that meant the world to me. Um, I never thought that football would grant me an opportunity, to, an opportunity to you know have a presence back back in Ireland. I still think my cousins and my aunts and uncles back there still don't really fully understand how I have some a presence back there. But it's uh, I remember my my grandma uh, that lives in Dublin, and Annie, she told me that she was uh, that she that I think she, I think she said that she was uh, like stopped because of uh, her last name and my name. Um, and she's lived in Dublin for, or in Ireland for her whole life. And I've only, I only lived there for eight years. And she, she got recognized or not recognized, whatever, noticed for her last name because of me. And it was just some, some really funny stories came out of it. You know, I could definitely go on and on about it, but it's, uh, 
uh, no, that by itself, you know, the kick itself, putting the uh, having the team win uh, against Wisconsin number six, our program needed that at that time. But also everything that came along with that was really, really cool. It was uh, that's all I can really say about it. It was it's a really cool experience, and uh, um, you know, I hope I can do something again like that um, again in the future uh, for another team. But uh, no, that was that was special for sure. James, you mentioned relations back home, and one familiar face over here is Leinster's Gary Ringrose, who's a cousin yeah. of yours. Have mm -hmm. you sought any advice from him, or has he given you any advice on your on your side in terms of the career as a purely congratulations at this stage? Yeah, right now it's uh, pretty much all congratulations. Um, just a couple of texts here and there about kind of uh, comparing schedules and stuff like that, and the, the hard work that goes into it. But uh, you know, he's a uh, I've only, I, I mean, yeah, he's my, he's my cousin. I've only really met him, I think, a handful of times in person. It's been a, been a while since I've met him in person. It was before, I think he was, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he was still in secondary school, but I think he was just knocking on the door of the Leinster. I don't think he had his Irish cap yet, but uh, he, um, it's just cool, you know, it's pretty cool to say that. It definitely gets me some, uh, you know, street cred back home. I can say that Gary Rimmer is my cousin, um, but uh, no, he's, uh, He's definitely something I'm someone I'll probably uh, you know you know uh, ask questions in the future about stuff that's going on about how to be because he's so professional obviously and rugby over there is so big now and uh, he's a big name for sure but um, yeah right now it's pretty much just back and forth on Instagram nothing nothing too uh, uh, crazy over there. Big shout out to your family cousins watching this back home in Ireland. How's the form, folks? Yeah. Uh, just finally. Uh, James Daniel Whelan uh, Dan's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks which I guess for Irish fans for fans across Europe that are willing to see players succeed in the league it's fantastic really appreciate both yourself and Dan making time for us uh, have you been discussing much things with Daniel have you had a chance to maybe meet up or talk to him about the journey so far or is that something that you plan to do um, in the future yeah actually so I, I haven't reached out to Dan uh, I, it's definitely something I want to do just once everything kind of settles with the uh, training camp and all of that. But um, I, it was funny. We, we, we went out to, uh, I was out in Arizona for a, uh, this a coach's honor over here. He runs like a kicking combine. And it, that's it, something that was in the process of the, of the uh, pre-draft also, I forgot to mention. And you go out there and uh, coach's honor, he's kind of a very uh, renowned name in the specialist community over here. And um, you go out there, get graded, and you do like kind of a, a two a week over a weekend he gives you kind of a draft grade and he talks to the uh, scouts so I went out there and Dan and myself did very well and I actually was in the same elevators Dan but I had no idea he was Irish I, did, I had no idea so uh, I noticed him he was tall and I was like this guy kind of looks Irish for some reason like he had kind of an Irish way about him and um but I, it, was, it was funny I didn't I had no idea that he was until kind of uh I want to say my dad mentioned something uh, a couple of weeks before the draft that there was an Irish guy um, out of uh, he's, he's at UC Davis. Yeah. So uh, which is pretty cool. And, uh, and I heard he was really talented. Obviously he went to a little bit of smaller school, so I wasn't too familiar with him. I didn't ever saw him on TV or anything like that, but uh, I've heard, I know my punter at school, Blake, he mentioned that their UC Davis had this amazing punter and I was like, Oh, cool. And just turns out he was Irish. I'm pretty sure he, he's more Irish than me. I mean, in quotation, I'm pretty sure he moved over here when he was, uh, I think he was older than I was. So it's definitely cool. I definitely want to reach out to him and just kind of touch base. I think my dad wants to reach out to his dad and stuff like that. But uh, no, it's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty pretty uh, incredible that two of us uh, come out in the same year. And yeah, 
Well, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, we might see, uh, you know, uh, a couple a couple of Irish flags on uh, on an NFL field uh, this year. We want to wish you the the very best. I saw a really interesting stat that said of the ninety man rosters, fifty seven percent were drafted, but forty three percent of the ninety three man rosters are undrafted. And as mm-hmm. a Broncos fan and a guy who was with the Chargers, Chris Harris Jr. Uh, had a pretty good career having uh, gone mm-hmm. un- undrafted. So listen, you've been really generous with your time, James with just continued success and uh, all the very best for the future oh, cheers guys i really appreciate it and uh, in the future if you guys want to you know get on again just let me know uh definitely i enjoy doing this and uh, have a lot of questions for you guys for sure but uh, i appreciate you guys uh, having me on